Welcome to Main Menu for March 4th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. Many of you have asked for a series of short tutorials on using the Mac with VoiceOver. When we became aware of a series of instructional podcasts from Vision Australia on this very topic, we quickly realized that we needed to share them with our Main Menu listeners. After this week's tech update from Chase Crispin, I visit with David Woodbridge about Vision Australia's podcasts and about using the Mac in general. After that, we bring you the first installment of the series, which explains how to get VoiceOver running on any Mac. Finally, Blind Bargain shows us two portable magnifiers from Clarity. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Tech Update, a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's Main Menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, Main Menu and Tech Talk. This is Chase Crispin, finally back with a tech update for the week of March 2nd, 2011. This will cover tech news from the last few weeks for various circumstances. I have been unable to produce a tech update for the last three weeks or so, so this will be kind of a tech update comprehensive edition. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I have to skip, ver- some very minor things that have came out or things that have gone on sale cheaper, that sort of stuff, just so that I can leave Tech Talk time to get the show started and main menu time to get other things in the show. So this will have the most important items from the last few weeks, but not everything will be mentioned. There's various resources like the Top Tech Tidbits newsletter, blindbargains.com, and many other web resources that you can look at to get more comprehensive tech up tech news that will not be talked about in this tech update. This tech update will also be posted on the Blind Mobile Tech website since there is still an old tech update up there being I haven't done a tech update for the last couple of weeks. Windowize version 7.5 has been released. On my last tech update I was talking about the public beta. Windowize 7.5, the release edition, has came out in the last few weeks. The most notable things new in this release is the change of scripts to apps a totally new user interface, support for Internet Explorer 9 and Office 2010, and more features. This is a full SMA upgrade. To learn more, you can visit gwmicro.com. Saratech, makers of System Access, are now offering the Avona voices, that's I-V-O-N-A, the very high-quality voices with their System Access screen reader. If you are a System Access user, you can click on your My Account link and purchase these voices. Visit Serotech, S-E-R-O-T-E-K, dot com for more information. The Cobra screen reader is a screen reader made by Baum in Germany. Baum is a company that makes a lot of Braille displays. They manufacture the humanware displays like the Brilliant and the Braille Connect and the APH Refresher Braille and many others. They make a screen reader called they make a screen reader called Cobra, which until now hasn't been available in the US market. Bay Area Digital has begun to offer the new version of Cobra, Cobra 9.1, here in the United States. This is another screen reader that will be useful here. A unique feature to Cobra is the ability to take a picture with the screen reader of a window that you are in and have it perform OCR and read that window to you. 
the talk screen reader for Symbian has been updated to version 5.20. This is a fairly small update, but it contains support for some new phones, newer Nokia Symbian phones, as well as support for the Avi Maps GPS solution that comes with a lot of Nokia phones that has previously only been accessible with MobileSpeak. Talks for Windows Mobile at this time has not yet been updated. This talks update specifically applies to Symbian only. Another screen reader news tidbit is that Code Factory, makers of many accessible products for mobile devices, mostly cell phones, have just released their new Android accessibility package. This is a package costing about $95 here in the US and is not an actual screen reader for Android. It's a small screen reader with better voices than the SVox Pico that comes with your Android device. It also includes many accessible applications like an accessible email client, web browser, GPS solution, and many other applications. It also comes with an accessible on-screen keyboard so that if you have an Android-powered phone without a QWERTY keyboard, you can still navigate using an on-screen keyboard, such as that found on the iPhone. To get this app, you can go to the Android market. As I said, it costs about $95 here in the US, but will, along with other accessible applications, really make your Android phone more accessible. RFB&D has released their iPhone, iPod Touch, and iPad app. This is an app that allows you to play RFB&D books, if you are an RFB&D member, on your iOS device. What's unique about this app that you don't have in other reading applications is that it plays RFB&D books, of course, but the unique features are it has the ability to set bookmarks, navigate by sections, and it even has a variable speed control, so it'll feel like a native digital talking book player. You must have an RFB&D membership to get RFB&D books, however, RFB&D memberships are now free. Visit rfbd.org to learn more. This app is available in the App Store on your device and costs $19.99. If you are a user of the Icon or Braille Plus, there is a new public beta available, version 2.2.53 beta. This beta fixes the internet tuner not working. Shoutcast had a licensing thing that needed to be relicensed, and it is now taken care of, so you can listen to your Hunt tens of thousands of radio stations with the dedicated internet tuner application on your Icon or Braille Plus now, simply by clicking on the tuner application in the internet menu. You can update now simply by clicking on the check for software updates item in the utilities menu of your Icon or Braille Plus. To learn more, please visit aph.org tech. This will conclude the tech update for the week of March 2nd, 2011. Thank you for listening to this week's Tech Update. If you have any comments or anything you would like to see added to next week's Tech Update, please call the Tech Update comment line at 206-337-4383 and be sure to listen to the next week's Main Menu and Tech Talk. This week on Main Menu, we're visiting with David Woodbridge of Vision Australia, and we're talking with him about a set of instructional podcasts for the Mac. Well, first of all, David, welcome to Main Menu. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So talk to me a little bit first of all about uh, this kind of got to be a daunting task to put these podcasts together since, I mean, covering voiceover on the Mac is a pretty uh, extensive project. How did you decide how to go about doing this? Well, basically about two years ago, 
uh, as part of my job for Equipment Solutions at Vision Australia, somebody asked me to start evaluating the Apple Mac as a viable alternative to traditional Windows and Windows screen readers. And when I started doing it, I suddenly found there wasn't that much of material around or it was very hard to find or people had these pockets of information. So I thought, well, what I'm going to start to do is develop a series of podcasts that I get asked on the Devil Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia. So all those podcasts that currently make up the Mac demos, the iOS demos, are all questions that I get asked almost every single day on the IT Help Desk. So at the moment, besides the ones that I've already done, I've already got 40 sitting here already for other ones to do both on the Mac and the, on the iOS devices. So really it's people asking me questions on the help desk and then I decide to do one and then rather than repeating myself, <laughs> I can just say, oh, and by the way, if you go to our website, you can actually download a demo of exactly what we've been talking about today. Nice. Very good. Um, a lot of the th- time when a person finds demos of, like you say, either the Mac or Voice or um, the iOS devices, uh, there's a lot of material and some of those podcasts can be quite lengthy. How did you decide about how long to, to make them? I started doing quite extensive ones for about 15 to 20 minutes and I sat back and listened to them one day, this was probably about maybe 12 months ago, and I suddenly thought, if I'm sitting here as a new person listening to me talk about this, 15 minutes is actually quite a long time, particularly if you want to stop and start stuff. So, And sometimes when you're traveling or you just want to know about something, you want to turn it on, listen to it, turn it off, then try it. So I thought, well, if we can try and make it about five to maybe 10 minutes maximum, mm-hmm. that's not a bad length of time. Some of them, it's really hard to make it less than that because things like when I did one on the iBooks for the iPad or I just did one on the Mac App Store you really can't uh, put that down to about you know 10 minutes I think that one ended up being about 15 or 18 minutes mainly because of the the stuff that you've got to cover but normally I try and get it between 5 to 10 minutes and look some of them are very quick like for example one of them was just how do you turn voice over on a Mac? Well, it's yeah. Command F5. So something as easy as that because some of them are very quick. Um, the longest one I probably ever did was 67 minutes, which you and I talked about. Right. And um, that one was actually a full demonstration on all the accessibility to do with Apple. So, you know, that that was a special case. But normally nowadays they're averaging, like I said, between 4 to 15 minutes. So are you finding quite a lot of interest uh, in Australia uh, in blind people that are really getting interested in the in the Mac? I think so, mainly because Vision Australia, um, we try and get the word out there about any type of technology that helps anybody, you know, at home, education or employment. And the Mac fits in extremely well with home use because you can just go pop out to your local shop and buy a Mac, bring it home, and hey, presto, it's it's working with full accessibility. The interest, I would probably say maybe 12 to 18 months ago, I might have been getting maybe one phone call a month on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Now I'm probably getting at least maybe two to three phone calls a day on the Mac. And that's not necessarily people that have got a Mac or want one, but what they want to find out about is 
They don't want to spend lots of money on a computer. They don't want to spend lots of money on a screen reader. They want to know alternatives. And they've heard from somebody from somebody about this computer supposedly that you can just go and buy and it starts talking to you or you can plug in a braille display and it starts working straight away. So stuff like that. So um, I tweeted, actually it was quite funny, a couple of days ago I tweeted I had two days solid where I think I had back-to-back or phone call to phone call calls on the Mac for six hours straight. And I remember Twittering saying, look, I know I, I love my Mac and Apple devices, but, you know, come on, guys, 12 hours in two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, look, it, it's getting very popular. Look, that, that's, not, that's not to say that we only recommend, you know, the Mac all the time. But right. I think it's almost like a halo effect, I think, because people know about all the mobile stuff that Apple does, so the iPods, the iPhones, the iPads, the touches. And once they've heard about that, then they start thinking, well, hang on a minute, if that's all from Apple, I wonder what the Apple Mac is like to use and right. iTunes, you know, to help me out with my mobile devices. So I guess it has a, a bit of a, a carry-on effect that, you know, people ask me about the iPad iPad, and then we talk about the Mac and, and vice versa. Yeah. So in the last couple of years that you've been using the Mac or really doing demos of it, um, have you seen quite a number of changes in voiceover, the screen reader itself? I think the probably, I would say the two two changes that probably stand out for me a lot is first of all, of course, the, the gestures that you can use with voiceover on the Apple Mac trackpad. Mm-hmm. And with that, you of course, you can gesture left and right and up and down to move around the screen. You can go to your menu bar, the dock, etc. But those gestures are very similar, if not the same, to the ones that you would also use on the iOS devices, the iPhone, the Touch, and the iPad. So that's probably the big one. And for those that people that don't know, you don't just have to use a, a MacBook with the trackpad to use those gestures on an iMac or an, an Apple desktop you can use the Bluetooth external magic trackpad to get the same level of gesture functionality. The other really huge jump in voiceover has been on the web with Safari. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the, I should say, it's always funny when I say the old days, the old days, more than 12 months ago, (laughs) um, basically what you could do on the Mac, you had to do control option U that would bring your list of links up and you could jump to headers and all that sort of stuff on the screen. But now, in combination with the the trackpad for the gestures, that's number one, where you can do a two-finger rotate, go around to say header, and then do a one-finger flick up and down to navigate. That's fantastic. But on just the Mac keyboard, you can use something called Quick Nav, which is basically holding down your left and right arrow key, turning on the option, and then up and right arrow, up and left arrow, you can cycle through to your web element, such as header or link, and then just press your up and down arrow to go through those items on the screen. When you get to where you want, you can then just press the left or right arrow to have a bit of a read around where that object is on the page. Mm. And again, that's the same as on the iOS devices with Bluetooth keyboard support. But it just means, it's hard to explain, but it's almost this extremely smooth transition from using gestures and quick nav on a Mac to a mobile device and then back to the Mac again. And voiceovers, it just it's just a consistent interface. So it always surprises me that I'm just, I'm just as comfortable browsing the internet with voiceover on the Mac than I am on an iOS device. So they're probably the two major ones. So the, the web accessibility with voiceover is dramatically increased and the fact that we can, we can now use gestures on both the Mac and the iOS devices. 
Um, so how would be a good way for well first of all let me back up and say that main menu is going to be pleased to be running these uh, these podcasts over the next several weeks we've had people contact us and say hey can we have some just some mac information just some kind of quick tutorials and and right after i was receiving those requests i learned about the vision australia podcasts and contacted you guys and and we're going to be able to to run those so that's wonderful but there are going to be a lot of people who are probably just going to want to run and download the whole mm -hmm. batch. So what's a good way to yep. find those? Well, it's a couple of ways. Uh, Vision Australia, on our own website, we have an AT podcast page. And it's a fairly easy URL. It's just www.visionaustralia.org forward slash and then the whole word AT podcasts. So A-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And they've got all our Mac demos, the iOS demos, and quite a few other demos that we do as part of our help desk equipment solutions role. That's where you can download ind individual ones. If you want to download a whole batch, um, accessible-devices.com still carries the zip file of the main batch of the demos themselves for the Mac. Okay. What we're probably going to do on main menu is that we'll try to arrange them in a consistent type of order because when you open up that zip file for example on accessible devices there's about 26 demos all mixed up together whereas what we're hoping to do I guess in this series is introduce some of the basic things about how to get voiceover running how to do the quick start tutorial finding a way around the keyboard then moving on to more advanced navigation such as quick nav and the gestures then looking at how voiceover runs with the calculator text it and safari and then finally you know looking at things like the mac app store and downloading software to the mac so from that point of view it's going to be a lot more consistent because we're basically going to start from basics and, and build up and probably what i should say and probably finishing about just the demos is that at the moment I'm probably producing around about two demos per week okay. and I'll be adding those to the AT podcast page and probably to the accessibledevices.com site as well mm -hmm. and um, you know if we think they they will fit in with the, the schedule for main menu we can always put them up as well but the initial 23 small demos that we're doing on, a, on the ACB main menu uh, the absolute basic ones for anybody to listen to to get them up and running and using a Mac. The ones I'm doing now are more for your, I guess, almost intermediate to advanced tinkering, changing settings, all that sort of stuff. I should say one of the one of the demos that's coming up on OCB Radio main menu is going to be one on how to make your Mac more. What's the word? Best word for it? More friendly I guess with voiceover so you know changing settings in Safari so you can tab through the page changing your list view so you've got a table view when you bring up a CD or a USB stick mm -hmm. just general things that overall make the overall experience of using the Mac that much easier very good very nice so can you kind of look through the crystal ball a little bit and where, where do you think that the Mac and the iOS devices are headed in, in the future? Do you see a lot more merging of the, the two devices? I I do. I mean, with the new Snow Leopard, sorry, Snow Leopard, I've got Snow Leopard on the brand at the moment. Okay. With the new line coming out is 
the fact that the the launch pad, which will be very similar to what the home screen is on the iOS devices, is going to be very similar. Some of the other options in line again will equate back to the iOS devices. So, I mean, I know people, you know, a year or two ago or even this year were speculating that you know the Mac is going out the door and it's going to be all mobile, mobile, mobile. But look, I honestly think, like Apple said, that the Mac's going to be around for a long time yet. Um, the fact that the interface is getting easier to use between each system, I think, you know, it will only benefit us. But the nice thing about it all is, you know, I don't want to say that I know the future, but, you know, if, if Apple's put this amount of effort to both in their touchscreen iOS devices and the Mac for voiceover, in, particularly most heavily in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I can't see that stopping in the short term. So, you know, I really think we have an extremely strong platform to go forward on um, because, you know, when you look at it, I mean, I was I wrote this story a couple of years ago and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if you had a company that, um, you know, you went to a shop and bought a computer and it worked or if they happened to sell, you know, music players and phones and, and that sort of stuff, wouldn't that be nice if it worked as well? And, you know, hey, presto, we've got a company now. So, you know, I like competition, so mm-hmm. I wish other companies would actually do the same thing as Apple. Sure. Um, but the really good thing about it is that you don't hear Apple boasting about the fact that they've got an absolute brilliant accessible platform. Right. You know, they get they get a bit you know a bit of a hard case in the media about you know being a closed ended system. But as you know, as far as I'm concerned, yes, it's a closed ended system. But in some ways, I guess the negative of that, which benefits us, is that it's it's means for us it's accessible. Right. And and that's my main thing. So, um, so I, I just think that the future is nice and rosy. I mean, lines coming out in a, in, in summer in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got four point three coming out fairly shortly for the iOS devices. We've got the iPad two coming out. Um, you know, who knows what the new iPhone five will look like? New right. nanos at the end of the year. It just goes on and on and on. So, you know, I, I used to get excited about upgrades to different adaptive technology. Uh, you know, every year or two. Now yeah. I get really excited about the next iOS and macOS update. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because since I've had my iPod Touch, um, I was summer with my wife and she was doing the shopping thing that she does and I plopped myself down in a nice comfy chair and I can remember the first time it dawned on me that I was using a mainstream device. And when I've heard other people say that, I always kind of almost poo-pooed it. It's like, ah, that's just hype. But I was actually surprised at the feeling that I had. It's like, I've never thought about the fact that I was using um, blindness-specific devices, but when I actually pulled that iPod Touch out of my pocket, it's Mm. like I, I realized then you know mm-hmm. what what a big deal that was i guess you might say yeah and it's actually funny cuz the the two offshoots for me as a blind parent is the fact that i actually use find my iphone on my iphone so when the, when my dear little 4 and 5 year old <laughs> actually misplaced their ipod touch in the house somewhere yeah i can use find my iphone to play a sound on their ipod touch and go and find it that's great so and you know and, and the same with the Mac. I mean, if my or the iPod on my, sorry, on my iPhone or my on my iPads, when my children are playing on them, if they get stuck, I can actually help them out. Yeah. So I can say, well, look, hang on, just wait, wait, wait till Dad turns on VoiceOver with the triple click of the home button. I'll get you out of the application, put you back into it, 
turned voiceover off and hey presto they've got a mainstream they've got their you know technically speaking mainstream system without speech running on it back again sure so you know it's absolutely fantastic whereas before when on my i guess my pc um i'd be very nervous about letting the children play on that because i thought oh dear if you start changing the video drivers my colors my screen resolution blah 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 i'm going to stop speech whereas on my mac here I think since the Mac store opened in January, I've very sadly purchased about 95 programs, <laughs> uh, probably 30 of which are all games for my children. I mean, they're only sort of $5 games. Sure. But, um, and, you know, they can play them, and, and quite a few times they've got stuck. So I've just come back in, and, and my son knows now that he just presses Command F5 on my Mac. Turns vo- he actually turns voices on, on for me, and he says, your computer's talking, Dad, now. So I fix it for him, and he says, oh, don't worry, go away, I'll turn it back off again, and off he goes. That's great. That's excellent. So, um, yeah, so he's just embraced it. He's actually told his uh, teacher at school that uh, he can make any computer, any Mac computer in the school talk because because <laughs> his dad's an Apple expert. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There you go. Oh, no, no argue with me, Mr. Man. <laughs> that makes great show and tell, doesn't it, at school? I never thought about that. It does. It does make yeah. great show and tell. Uh, yeah. Particularly when the teacher said, oh, no, look, I, I don't think so. You know, I don't think the computer can really talk to you. And um, so I'm just waiting for the time he actually gets a chance to do it and presses Command F5 and it says, welcome to voiceover. Right. <laughs> but I should say, too, if people want to follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. they can also do that. It's just D Woodbridge. So at D Woodbridge. If you want to email me, um, depends if you want to, if you want to get in contact with me personally talk about ab, other Mac demos or Mac stuff in general or Apple stuff you can email me at davidw9 at tpg.com.au and that's tpg as in tango Popper golf if you want to email any of the folks on the adaptive technology help desk at Vision Australia and there's about four of us that's athelp at Vision Australia Org. So all of us now do have access to an iPhone, an iPad, um, a Mac. Um, I admitted to um, Ray on, sorry, to Randy on accessible devices that I very sadly have three Macs, two iPads, three iPhones, and two iPod Touches, and about five or six iPod Nano and Shuffles. Very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and I, I can't. And I can't seem to let go of them. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? Whenever my wife first got her iPod, I, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just use voiceover and we'll just kind of share it. And then I, I realized that an iPod is a very personal thing and you don't share them very well. No, no, you don't. No, because you think, oh, if you dare, if you dare sync it with your iTunes library and get rid of all my nice songs I've gone to, all the trouble of doing playlists for. Yeah. Uh, yes, you can get into some very interesting discussions but look I mean I, I just I don't know I just find it's a whole new world and I suppose for me as doing my job mm-hmm. I've never been able to keep up so easily with technology updates Twitter feeds Facebook Skype um, you know using Safari to keep track of RSS feeds all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and since I've started using both the Mac and the you know the iPod touch and the iPad it's almost like I'm constantly getting information all the time, anytime, anywhere I need it. Mm. So I think that's the other thing that's, you know, blown me out of the water that, you know, basically access to information has just grown 
exponentially with using the, the Mac, <clears throat> excuse me, and the iOS devices all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the other question I do get asked, and just in case you, this was in the back of your mind, sure. is people say to me, how do, you, how do you actually find the Mac in the workplace? And I normally say, well, look, it would depend on what the Mac was being used for in the workplace. You definitely cannot use VoiceOver on the Mac at the moment with Microsoft Office. Right. Um, so that's definitely not not available. PDF file access is, you can access and read PDF files. You just don't get any of the structured information that you would with other screenwriters like headers and tables. Mm. But, you know, it's definitely okay for for schools. Some schools use them and mm. some don't. Again, it depends what the, the student has to use. And for home use, like we said earlier on, it's you know absolutely spectacular. So for work use, it would absolutely depend on the task and the applications being used. Education, yes, but again, depending on what tasks were being asked to be performed by the computer and, and home stuff. So it's one of those things that, and, and when I spoke to the guys at Accessibility at Apple in the US, they've always said any of their accessibility work is always in progress. So just because preview doesn't do certain things with PDF files now or just because other applications aren't, you know, 50, 80 or 100% accessible, that doesn't mean they're not going to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, so I always encourage anybody that's got an application or they've got an issue at a workplace or a school and they want to get some feedback from Apple, always feel free to email accessibility at apple.com and they were always guaranteed get back to you. Um, I mean, I've always emailed them, they've always got back to me. Um, all the folks that I know, they've got Macs in Australia now. Anytime they've emailed Apple, accessibility at apple.com, they've always got back to them. So I just find them a very friendly bunch of people. And look, if they don't know, they'll tell you they don't know. Right. Which is better than they're not getting an email back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably been, oh gosh, it's been over a year ago now that I downloaded the manual for, um, you know, using VoiceOver on the Mac, and mm-hmm. and just read through it. And the thing that, the, the, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind was, this is written by someone who understands screen readers. I mean, it wasn't just a sighted person that was trying to kind of bluff their way through and kind of talk about, uh, you know, access just a little bit. I could tell that it was that the the people that put accessibility into the Mac had done their homework. That, I think so, yeah. I mean, that's that's the manual, the voiceover getting started one that I, I always let people know about all yeah. the time. But you're right, it's it's definitely written from a screen reader point of view. There's no accidental click here or right. they they describe something. You think, well, hang on a minute, that does not make logical sense from a blind person's point of view. <laughs> And I was so, pleasantly surprised to find that in in a nicely formatted Braille file. I kind of wish mm-hmm. the the iPod uh, manuals were would be provided that way. I mean, not that that's a huge deal, but mm. that was no, really kind of a nice little um, discovery there. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I, I wish they'd they'd actually produce, and I've actually produced one. I've just got to go and fix it a bit. But that's uh, creating an audio book for the voiceover manual. Because there's nothing worse than having to read a manual on the computer that you're also learning how to use. Exactly. So what I say to people, look, if you can get it onto your, I don't know, your, your Victor Stream or your Daisy Player or mm-hmm. you know, your iPod Touch, Nano, Shuffle or whatever else, then at least you can use that as your listening tool right. and then stop and start it when you need to play with things, particularly when people start saying things like, 
you know, well, look, if you go to text edit and um, you interact with the edit area with shift control option, down arrow, and then start typing and then uninteract and then close the application, um, that's a little bit hard to follow when you're also trying to read a manual. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I, I encourage people that, look, if you've got, if you've got the voiceover getting started, you know, if you can convert it to an MP3 file, or, or and stick it on a, any external device, and off you go, and you can be really happy, you know, giving it a go on the Mac properly. Do you think it's safe to say also that, you know, learning a new operating system and a new screen reader is not one of those things that you just kind of do in five minutes? No, no. So my my rule of thumb for both. Macs and iOS devices, I definitely say at least two weeks for the iOS devices using VoiceOver. Mm-hmm. And no, you don't throw it out the window within the first hour because you're getting frustrated with the fact it's not doing the gestures properly. Mm-hmm. The the Mac, if you don't have access, you haven't ever accessed a Windows machine, and there are quite a few people that I've come across in Australia. Or you're going from a, a you know completely different interface to to a Mac. Then you don't have anything to unlearn. The problem I find people that have used Windows and really heavily used their screen reader commands mm-hmm. find it really hard to transition to the Mac. And probably the two hardest things for anybody to get, or actually, no, I'll say three actually. Three hardest things to get access to on the Mac is number one, where the cursor is, mm-hmm. because the cursor does not read the same as it does on a Windows PC with a screen reader. Right. Uh, so, for example, when you're moving, let's say you've written the word, you know, today is Monday. When you're moving to the right and it, and the sc- and voiceover says Monday, the cursor's to the right mm-hmm. of the last letter, which is W, and on, sorry, W, Y, on Monday. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you're moving to the left, it'll actually say Monday again because the cursor's now to the left of the M on Monday. Whereas on a traditional screen reader, if you move left from that word Monday, it's going to say the previous word. Right. Okay, so that's number one. The number two one is this, you know, what do these Apple voiceover people always talk about interacting all the time? Yeah. And that's the really one. So what I say to people is, look, let's take text edit as an example. When you go in the text edit, you've got two things on the screen. You've got a ruler and you've got an edit area. And what you do with voiceover, you think, okay, what area on the screen do I want voiceover to focus on so that all my voiceover commands will be only for that part of the screen and that part only. So if I want to go into the ruler and look at styles and other things, I'll interact with the ruler so that all my navigation and jumping around the screen is only for the ruler area. If I want to interact with just the edit area, which is the document, I'll interact with the edit area. Therefore, all my top, bottom and screen reading commands are only for the edit area. When I'm finished with the edit area and I want to go back to the ruler, I can uninteract with the edit area, go up to the top of the screen, and there's my ruler, and I can interact. Or an, another quick example would be the the toolbar that you find in quite a few applications. On a traditional Windows screen reader, you would have to go through, if you had to go through them item by item, all the buttons in a toolbar, whereas VoiceOver says, okay, here's a toolbar. Yeah. Do you want to interact with it or not? Yeah. Um, and just the final one in interacting is a HTML area. So on Safari, when it comes up with a web page, it's a HTML area on the screen with all the other buttons to do with Safari, things like you know bookmarks and that sort of stuff. And again, with VoiceOver, you can go, well, I don't want to know about those toolbars. I'll just go straight down to the bottom. There's my HTML area. Interact. 
and then all my web browser commands and navigation commands are just for that area. So that's that's the interact command in a nutshell. Um, and this, the third thing I guess is to do with the fact is people say, oh, there's too many there's too many keyboard commands. You know, for example, you know the interact command is Shift Control Option Down Arrow, mm-hmm. or you know to get to get quick uh, sorry to get uh, the quick start tutorial going, it's you know Control Option Command F8. And people go, that's a lot of keystrokes. Mm-hmm. But like any screen reader or any operating system, there's always multiple ways to do things. Yeah. So you know, for example, you know Quick Nav. If you turn Quick Nav on with left and right arrow, if you just press down and right arrow, that's your interact command. You know, down and left is uninteract. So, again, there's multiple ways of doing things. So, and after a while, you don't think about it. I mean, there are some screenwriters that I know that also use multiple keystrokes, but nobody complains about those ones. Right. So, again, it's what you're used to. And, and you know, the and the, probably the fourth one, which I probably should mention in passing <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm talking about it, there's no alt key to go to the menu bar. So people okay. say, well, hang on a minute, you know, on, on, on this other operating system called Windows, I can press Alt. Well, yeah. okay, fine. But, you know, on a Mac, you press Control Option M to go to your menu bar. Um, and again, it's just like, come on, guys, it's just the different ways of doing things. Relax, you know, settle, sure. settle. And, um, you know, relax, sit back and enjoy the ride. So, right. yeah, it's just different. But you're right, it's, you have to get a different mindset. I probably train a guy probably about a year ago on using the Mac. He's actually self-employed. He went from Windows to a Mac mainly because he was tired of his machines constantly falling over with his screen reader. And, you know, it was probably more the Windows computer and the computer itself rather than the screen reader. Right. But now he's had the Mac for 12 months. He keeps ringing me up every one or two weeks and he says, I just want to let you know it's still going. No... (laughs) No crashes, no falling over, no application conflicts, no nothing. Um, so, you know, I, I got a call from him yesterday and he says, it's still going. And I said, well, you do know you actually don't have to keep telling me that. You know, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, but no, look, it's it's really stable. So, but you're right, it, it does take some transformation. If, if I said to people, look, give yourself at least, a, you know, three to four weeks. Yeah. At the end of that time, when you read... The demos that we're doing, you read the Getting Started Guide, you do the Quick Start Tutorial in on the Mac, you play with it, because at the end of the day, you can't break it. It's not a toy or a, you know, a Lego house that suddenly thinks, oh, God, it's gone. Right. So, you know, playing is the best thing to do, and, and after a while, it's not that hard. I will say the only thing that people get highly confused about is starting QuickNav on a Mac, because by default, when you run a Mac, your function keys are set to what are called hardware-only control. Mm-hmm. So, so we, so we come, we trundle along as trainers, and we say things like, "Right, you've done voiceover with Command F5. Now do Control Option Command F8." Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there pressing Control Option Command F8, and nothing's happening. It's because the hardware keys for function are still set to hardware-only. So on a Mac keyboard, it's easy to do because the function key is just to the left of your control key so from left to right it's function control option and command on a big size qwerty keyboard your function key is actually above your arrow keys and if you try and do hold hit that key do control option do control option command and f8 it's a real stretch so what i say to people look if you don't know how to convert your hardware keys back to software which you do via system preferences and your keyboard shortcuts all you need to do is just do 
control option H for voiceover help and the quick start tutorial you can control option down arrow to it control option spacebar to run it and you've got yourself running with the quick start tutorial but if nobody's told you that before and people just say well you know, here's the main way to run it mm -hmm. then you're stuck I mean on all new Macs it will tell you that two things it'll say welcome to voiceover if you know voiceover press V if you want to actually start the quick start tutorial press the space bar hmm. so whatever brand new Mac you start up first of all it'll talk you through the setup of the whole computer but before it actually does that it also says to you do you want to learn how to use a screen reader so that then how you can so that then you can actually use the computer which I would assume is a good idea I've heard a couple of demos of people who um, you know just started getting up and running running with their Mac and didn't mm. bother to do the tutorial and then they kind of got confused when they tried mm. to set out the computer because things weren't working you know so yeah no, I would imagine great. that tutorial is a great uh, first step it's also good the fact that you can completely boot your Mac from the DVD or on a Mac Air the USB stick yeah. and completely reinstall it from the DVD or USB with speech from the ground up Right, because um, I know I just said that a friend of this guy's Mac never failed. My Mac failed in January because I I reinstall it so much when I'm testing different things on it, and it 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 went away. It had a little heart attack, and um, <laughs> but what but what I did was I actually re I had I mean of course I had backups and everything else, but right. I could reboot from the DVD myself. I didn't have to go and pester my wife or my friends at work or, you know, I could just boot from the DVD, have speech running, and hey presto. I had my bank Mac back up and running perfectly within about four or five hours. That's excellent. That's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. So the, oh, I, and I probably should, the it's actually I've, I've told this little story quite a few people. You know when sometimes your dear friendly side of people come along to your computer and they think, oh look, I'll just leave their screen reader running. I'll just mute the sound. Yeah. It's really hard to get the sound back if you don't know how to do it properly using Windows. Right. The nice thing about the Mac is that the mute command is actually a hardware, it's a it's a function key control. So, you know, hardware-wise, it's just F10 or function key F10, and you've got your split sound on your computer unmuted again. Nice. So my children my children often do that. They go, oh, daddy's screen is on, I'll just... Yeah, you know, I won't press Command F5. I'll just mute the sound, and I can say to them, "Look, don't worry about that if you do that, because you know I know how to get it back, and it works all the time." Yeah, so it does work really well. There's been a couple times when my wife has been playing a game, and she didn't want to hear the sound, and and muted the game, and it yeah, it muted the system sounds, and mm. she goes out shopping, and I come into the computer, <laughs> and you know all heck breaks loose at that point. <laughs> but in, yeah, in, in, indeed. So no, so. On the on the Mac, you've got no problem about people actually deleting, or not, you know, muting Sony because it'll just all work. Very good. Mm. All right. Well, um, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Is, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to mention before we go? No, I think we've actually covered a fair bit, actually. Uh, the, I guess the only thing I'd like to say is that um, people should feel extremely free to suggest any more podcasts that it might be available for the Mac demos. The AT podcast website on the Vision Australia page has probably about 40 demos on iOS devices plus the 25 to 27 ones on the Mac. They're going to constantly be growing all the time. Um, like I said earlier on, we, we are doing other ones, but 
the max the maximized device will definitely be there. Um, and I'm probably going to do a series or two series this year. Once on iTunes, if I can ever bring myself to do one on iTunes, because every time I do it, I think this is going to be very scary. <laughs> um, so that's that's for iTunes. And the other one, of course, is when Lion hits in the summer in the US. I'm doing a series on Lion and comparing it back to Snow Leopard, so that people can do a nice easy transition from Snow Leopard to Lion. So um, that'll be coming up when uh, Lion hits the market later this year. But besides that, no, and it's been great talking to you. I've actually, like always, I always enjoy talking about the Mac, as you probably could tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's fine, and I really do hope people enjoy listening to the the series on the Mac demos. It's visionaustralia.org/at/podcast. So that's A-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S for the full range of all the Mac demos and the other demos that people can download and use to their heart's content. We've been visiting with David Woodbridge of Vision Australia for a main menu. The following program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. In this quick demonstration, I'm actually going to show you how to start VoiceOver on an Apple Macintosh, whether it be a MacBook laptop or an iMac desktop. The command is exactly the same on all Apple Macs. You hold down the command key, which is the key immediately to the left of the spacebar. Hold that down and press function key 5, so command F5. I'll do that now. And this is the first time I've actually run VoiceOver on this particular MacBook, and we'll see what happens. Welcome to VoiceOver. VoiceOver speaks descriptions of items on the screen, and can be used to control the computer using only your keyboard. If you already know how to use VoiceOver, press the V key now. If you want to learn how to use VoiceOver, press the spacebar now. Okay, so we can press the spacebar to run the VoiceOver Quick Start tutorial. I'm actually going to press V to run VoiceOver. VoiceOver on Finder, Window, Documents. And I'm going to press the Control key to shut up the voice. Now, what I'm going to do now is actually turn VoiceOver off with the same command, Command F5. VoiceOver off. And this time when I re-enable VoiceOver with Command F5, it won't speak that welcome message, it'll just run VoiceOver directly. So I'll do that now, Command F5. VoiceOver on. Finder. Okay, and I just hit the control key to shut it up, and it, runs, it just runs VoiceOver. So, the first time you run VoiceOver on a Mac, you will get that welcome message about running V for VoiceOver or Spacebar for Quick Start Tutorial. All future times you actually run the screen reader, once you've chosen V to run VoiceOver, you won't get that welcome message again. You can re-enable it through VoiceOver Configuration Utility Program. Otherwise, it'll just run normally. Hope that's been of some help. If you'd like more information on VoiceOver or other Apple accessibility products, please contact the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services.
The preceding program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Welcome to another BlindBargains.com exclusive audio podcast brought to you by the AT Guys, your assistive technology experts. Visit ATGuys.com today for all your technology needs. Now, here's J.J. Meadow. We're here at ATIA with Armin Flores, marketing manager for Clarity. Clarity has a new handheld uh, magnifier here at ATIA. Uh, Armin, welcome to Blind Bargains. Thank you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what you have here? Sure. Well, we are featuring our new uh, 4-inch LCD portable uh, magnifier. Uh, weighs about 4 ounces. Uh, does work off rechargeable batteries. What's uh, it called? We haven't named it yet, to oh. be honest with you. Okay. We're debuting it. We're getting some feedback from our low-vision clients, see what they think of it. We haven't come up with a price point yet, so we're hoping within the next six months okay. uh, it should hit the market. Sure. Uh, our next product that we're also featuring is called our Decimate Dual Plus. It's a 19-inch monitor with a uh, attached camera. Mm-hmm. The camera goes from 3 to 64 times magnification, features inverse color, yellow on blue, blue on yellow, of okay. course, black and white, does distance view up to about 54 feet. Um, it's designed for the classroom setting due to its portability. So it is portable. Well, yeah, the well, majority of our products are portable. We designed for that. Well, here, let's look at both of these here. Sure. Um, so here we have... This is the unnamed... This is the unnamed... unnamed magnifier. It is uh, the fixed... It's a fixed focus lens. Okay. Is that a little stand that comes with it on the back? That is correct. Okay. So what would you say? About four, five inches wide, maybe? Uh, that's correct. Uh huh. Three by Weighs five. Weighs about four ounces. There's a four-inch LCD. Okay. What's, there's, there's a lot of different magnifiers out there. What's this, what sets this one apart? Uh, you know, the, the, what's going to set this apart, we think, is a price point and the fact that it's supported by Clarity. Okay. Uh, we do everything ourselves uh, from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. We usually have a lifetime warranty on all our products. Okay. Um, that's fine to uh, kind of find uh, a manufacturer that's willing to do that in today's market. Got you. What are the controls? There's a couple buttons here on the top. That's correct. You have your focus up and down. Mm-hmm. You have your inverse. You have your power. Also has a freeze frame feature, um, okay. so that the end user is then able to capture the image, show it to somebody else, bring it closer to their point of view, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their vision needs. Okay. Um, you said it weighs about four ounces. What is the uh, battery life I got in this? Uh, battery lasts about four hours. Okay. And how, how, how much is it magnified? Uh, it goes up to uh, 32 times. Okay. Which is quite large on a four-inch LCD. Sure. So, again, everyone has different needs. Sure. Um, as far as the freeze frame, does it just hold the last picture that you take, or can you go back and look through a It couple? does not capture the image. It only freeze frames it. Got you. Mm-hmm. So it holds the last one there. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't have the uh, the board inside to do that. There's a little hand uh, strap. There's a lanyard. That's correct. Yeah, a lanyard just to And it will it. come with the carrying case. Okay. It's, uh, most of my units are complete packages from uh, the design of the unit, the portability of the unit, the way it's going to go into the carrying case. Uh-huh. That's your audible to let you know that you're going up or down in magnification. Okay. You're changing something on the unit. Got you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Again, all of our units are designed for portability, so they usually work off a battery, uh, and that gives us a true portability. Sure, sure. Uh, so you're t- let me have a our this desktop. Or yeah, if you come down further down. Still a portable solution here. Let's That's correct. Step down, down. Bring this down One here. more unit. One more unit. <laughs> here you go. Where this is our desk mate. I can look at it all day and anything yeah. me. But. This is a 19-inch LCD. That's your so battery. Kind of, kind of, it's kind of like a semi-portable. It is a portable. Uh, it does fold up on itself. 
it's designed for the classroom setting mm -hmm. um, so that the student isn't confined to one right. desk. Portable in that you're not going to, obviously 19 inches, you're not going to throw it in a backpack, but at least you can carry it around. At least it is, it is mobile, that's correct. But that's correct. So it, it needs, it's electrically powered? Both. You can, you can actually plug it into an AC outlet, uh -huh. or you can unplug it, and then you work off the battery function. Okay. How long does that battery work? Three and a half hours. Oh, okay. So you have a 19-inch monitor. That, is that regular LCD or HD? Or? No, it's a, it's a t traditional LCD. We haven't gone HD yet. Okay. You got a power switch on the right side. And I the, do. And the power plug. port. Uh -huh. and, and that's all that you're going to find on the base. And you have a whole bunch of controls across the front. The controls on the front are for the monitor. Usually we disconnect them because there's no advantage to our end users mm -hmm. when you use the camera that's attached. Okay. You change, the, there's a camera on an arm, which sits right here. It's hooked onto the right side. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. You can do it left or right. You can order it on the left hand, left-handed mount is what we call it. Got you. And the controls? The controls are up and down, contrast, zoom in, zoom out, power, and then mode. Very tactile, uh, sticking out buttons here. Yeah. We designed them that way. We also have remote control. Okay. So that... So it comes with a remote? It does come with a remote. And the remote oh. is exactly the same. Oh yeah, as it looks the like a carbon keypad. copy. The, the uh -huh. buttons feel exactly the same as, as what's up here. That's correct. And so uh, that the end user doesn't have to get used to two different units. Four buttons. That's correct. You have your power, uh -huh. your mode, your yep. contrast, and your zoom in and out. Mode deals with the. Um, Again, your inverse, your yellow on black, yep. your black on right, also right. takes you into the advanced features, okay. uh, such as markers so that you can set the line markers across the screen so it will actually center what it is you're trying to view. Mm -hmm. uh, the markers, you can adjust the width. You can make them wide, obviously, or narrow. You also have your media on and off, so you can point the camera at a television and you won't get those fuzzy lines that you do on video on video. Right. Um, you also have, um, on that feature, is your focus lock, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to adjust the focus if you're looking at you know text or whatnot. Right, sure. Is this one? Is it? Is this uh, model released yet? Or oh yeah, oh yeah. This model has been on the market since '05. Uh, right. So this is uh -huh. like one of your yeah. flagship. What's the exactly. price for this? Uh, US uh, two thousand six hundred ninety-five. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Um, if people want to get more information about Clarity, how might they do that? Uh, www.clarityusa.com. Mm -hmm. One eight hundred five seven five one four five six, and ask for me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, JJ. All right. This has been another exclusive audio podcast from Blind Bargains. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest technology deals, news, and interviews. So long. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.